Good morning, everyone. Turn with me to the book of Joshua. Joshua chapter 3 this morning. Our task is to cover both chapters. And as you look, we'll be covering the crossing of the Jordan River by the children of Israel. And uh, we're not going to read both chapters, but we're going to read a portion, uh, all three and a portion of four. So follow along with me as we read Joshua chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. Joshua chapter 3, verse 1. It says, Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Acacia Grove, and came to the Jordan. He and all the children of Israel lodged there before they crossed over. So it was after three days that the officers went, went through the camp, and they commanded the people, saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, and the priest, uh, and the, priest the Levites, bearing it, Then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it, that you may know the way by which you must go. For you have not passed this way before. And Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Then Joshua spoke to the priest, saying, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and cross over before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. And the Lord said to Joshua, This day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And you shall command the priest who bear the Ark of the Covenant, saying, When you you have come to the edge of the water of the Jordan, you shall stand in the Jordan. So Joshua said to the children of Israel, Come here and hear the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, By this you shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will without fail drive, drive out from before you uh, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Gershonites, and the Amorites, and the Jebusites. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is crossing before you into the Jordan. Now therefore, take, uh, take uh, from yourselves... Take for yourselves twelve men of the tribes of Israel, one man of every tribe. And it shall come to pass, as soon as the soles of the feet of the priest who bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, that the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off, and the waters shall come, come down from, I'm sorry, and the waters shall be cut off, and the waters that come down from the upper stream, they shall stand as a heap. So it was when the people set out from their camp, to cross over the Jordan, with the priest having, uh, bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, as those who bore the Ark came to the Jordan, and the feet of the priest who bore the Ark dipped on the edge of the water. For the, Jordan, uh, for the Jordan River overflowed all its banks during the whole time of harvest, that the waters that came down from, up, uh, from upstream stood still, and rose in a heap very far away at Adam, and the city that is beside Zaratan. So the water that went down into the Sea of Arabah, the Salt Sea, failed and were cut off. And the people crossed over opposite Jericho. And the priest who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan. And all of Israel crossed over on dry ground until all the people had crossed over completely over the Jordan. Verse 1, And it came to pass when all the people had completely Cross over the Jordan, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, saying, Take for yourself twelve men 
of the people, one man of every tribe. And command them saying, and command them saying, take for yourselves twelve stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the place where the priest's feet stood firm. And you shall carry them over with you, and leave them in a lodging place where, you're, where, you, where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the twelve men who had been appointed from the children of Israel, one man of every tribe. And Joshua said to them, Cross over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan. Each one of you take a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel. That this may be a sign among you when your children ask you in time to come, saying, What do these stones mean to you? Then you shall answer them, that the, you shall answer them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord when it, when it crossed over the Jordan, and the waters of the Jordans were cut off, and these stones shall be a memorial to the children of Israel forever. And the, and the children of Israel did so, just as Joshua commanded, and took up twelve stones in the midst of the Jordan, as the Lord had spoken to Joshua according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, they carried them over with them to the place where they lodged, and they laid them down there. And then, verse 9, And then Joshua set up twelve stones in the midst of the Jordan, in the place where the feet of the, of the priests who bore the ark of the covenant stood, and they are there to this day. And we'll pause there. May the Lord bless the reading of his word this morning. I must confess to you this morning, I've always loved this book. As a, as a young man reading the Old Testament, I've always found this book to be a, an exciting book. Because in it we learn a lot of simple things about our Lord, but they're important things. You know, the, the book of Joshua is, is filled, for the most part, it's filled with the judgment of the Lord. It's filled with, with God's punishment upon the Amorites with war and death and destruction. Yet in it, we find a God of love, a God of grace. In it, we find images and shadows of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, don't we? We're only in chapter 3 and chapter 4 of this book, but if you recall back, our brother Brian covered chapter 1, and there, I, I can only draw your mind and your hearts to it, but there we see Joshua, the captain of the children of Israel, and how, how the Lord called upon him, and he, and he was obedient in all things concerning the law. How that is a shadow of our, our captain, right? The captain of our souls. How when he, when he was upon this earth, he was obedient to the Father and obedient to the law completely and wholly. And there in chapter 2, we have that beloved story of Rahab. Our brother, last week, our brother Aaron covered it very aptly. Here's a woman who, who heard of the Lord God of Israel. A woman who heard of the things he had done to the Egyptians heard of what He had did for them there at the Red Sea, who heard what the Lord God did for the children of Israel there on the other side of the Jordan to King Sihon and King Og. How, how there was a great victory wrought, not by the people, but by the Lord God. And she came to a knowing faith. I, I, I love the words of that woman. 
You know, a, a woman who, who had a profession that was deplorable, who had a, pro, a profession that was looked down upon, who had, who had many men come by and, 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 and said sweet things to her ears, but were nothing but empty words. And when she turned to the spies and said to them, I, I have been kind to you. I, 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 I want the same kindness back to me. And you can imagine the spy saying, okay, well, whatever you want, we just want to get out of here. It's a dangerous situation. We want to move on. And he, she's heard these words before. Men just trying to flee from the situation. And she says to these men, make, make, make me an oath. Swear by your name. Swear by your father. No. She's heard it all before. But she says, swear to me an oath by the Lord God, she says. There is no power in the name of men. She knew that. Whenever a man made an oath to her, it was nothing but empty words. But she made these men made an oath by the living God. And she found what? Security. She found salvation in it, didn't she? And she let those men down by a by scarlet cord. And she left that scarlet cord out there for, for the children of Israel. And here is this beautiful picture of this Gentile, this outsider, Rahab, a sinner, a deplorable woman. Here she is redeemed, sitting on the wall, looking out, watching the armies of Israel coming to judge the city, waiting for her Joshua to rescue her from the judgment to come. A better place she couldn't be. She couldn't be, right? Yet you and I, brothers and sisters, are we not Rahabs? Are we not sitting upon this earth who is condemned to judgment? And all we do is look up to the skies and say, Lord, is it today? Are you coming to redeem me today? Are you coming to take me home? Are we waiting for our Joshua? What a beautiful picture of grace, isn't it? And so we come this morning to our passage. We come to our passage here of the crossing of the Jordan. And there's three main things that I, I want to concentrate on this morning. The passage is broken down in three sections. And the story is told in three different ways. A, a, a very Hebrew way of telling the story is to tell it one way and then to go back and tell it a different way and then go back and tell it a third time a different way. It, it happens all throughout the Old Testament. In fact, the most common is, is if you look at the creation story in chapter 1, we have the creation story day 1, day 2, day 3, day 4, day 5, day 6, day 7. And then comes chapter 2. And it goes back. And it tells us the creation story again, except it, it highlights a different facet of it concerning how God made man, right? It's the same story except it's told at different times to highlight different things. And so this story is told the same way. And we have the first part of the story, the first telling of the story in chapter 3. And in all of chapter 3, and in it, when it's, the story is told, it's to emphasize one thing, one thing to our mind and one thing to our heart. And it is the wonder of the miracle. And it is the wonder of the miracle. Look at... Um, I'm sorry, look at verse verse 10. It says, Joshua said, By this you shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will drive without fail 
all that is before you, the Canaanites, the Hittites, and so forth, right? The wonder of the miracle is what is emphasized here in this first telling of the story. And then we have it going back in chapter 4, verse 1. They went, it, it, the story kind of starts over again. It says, and it came to pass when all the people were completely crossed over. It, he just had finished saying that. Now we're going back. And he tells a different facet of the story. Now concerning the memorial. The memorial stones. And there's significance in that for us as well. And then lastly, in verse um, in verse 14 um, of chapter 4, we see the second or, or the third time it's told. And here it's told again concerning the memorial stones, but it, it highlights a different facet of it. And I, and I would propose to you that it talks about the historical significance of the event and of the, the stones. And those are important things for us believers in this day as well. So, Having laid out our, our three points, and having only 15 minutes left, let's, by the grace of God, try to tackle them. So first we come to the crossing of the Jordan River. And we're all familiar with the story. It's a, it's a common Sunday school story. We all know it. We're all very familiar with it. But sometimes, because we're so familiar, we, 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 we seem to skip over some major things. And we should pause and consider them. Within the very first few verses we read, it says, Then Joshua rose early in the morning and set out from Acacia Groves and came to the Jordan, and all the children of Israel lodged there before they crossed over. Now, I don't know about you, but that takes some kind of guts. That takes some kind of faith from this man. In chapter 1, just three days before, the Lord God says, Joshua, Joshua, my servant Moses is dead. Now I want you to take his place. I want you to move on. I want you to lead these people. And I, and I want you to take him across the Jordan River. And we see Joshua, that is a man of faith. He moves. He acts. You know, I, you, you think of the situation. Here is the, 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 the horde of people that the children of Israel are. Moses, their follower, their leader is now not with them. And here is his assistant. And he's saying to them, I want you to pack up all your stuff, take all your tents down, and pick them up. We're going to go and cross the Jordan River. You know, you, you wonder what the people thought about this man. You wonder if there was doubt in their hearts. You wonder if Joshua had any doubt. I don't think he did. Not by his actions. He set out. He didn't hesitate. You know, I, I, if it was me, I, this is just me and my feeble and weak heart, I, I, I would have said, Lord, can, can we go and, and part the, the river first and, and then I'll have the people come? I, could you imagine if you lead the horde of the people to the, to the edge of the river and nothing happens? Oh, Joshua wasn't like me. Joshua was a man of faith, a man of conviction, a man who knew the Lord. I'm reminded of our message by our brother Brian, how Joshua did not want to leave the tent of the Lord there. When the Lord stood outside the camp, Joshua remained there. He didn't want to go back to his people. He remained with the Lord. He knew the Lord God in a personal way. That when he told the people to pack your stuff, we're going to cross the river, he didn't have any doubt. 
saying to, I, I, and, I, and I, I belabor this point for this reason. Sometimes as believers, we lack in our faith of our Lord. We lack, don't we, in so many facets. The Lord promises so many things to believers. And yet we fret and worry about the most simplest things in this world and in this life. When the Lord says, He'll take care of them. We consume so much mental energy and emotion on some of these things when we just lack a little bit of faith. But thank be to God that He's a patient God, isn't He? And He labors with us. And so we see Joshua leading the people. And they stood there, they camped there by the, by the Jordan River for three days. And he gave instruction to the people. He says, listen, when you see the ark of the Lord come up and start walking towards that river, he says, I want you to follow it. Get your stuff together and I want you to follow it. Now, he says, I want you to follow it at a distance. He said about 2,000 cubits, which according to the, to the scholars, it's about half a mile. And, and, and you have to ask yourself why. Well, n- number one, simply logically and logistically, if everybody crowded around the ark, we would just have a mob around the ark and nobody knows where the ark is going and what direction it's going. Right? So the idea was is that the ark would go in and lead the people. And the people were to, to, to see it afar and to follow it. Right? And we read that the ark, as it was walking towards this river, and the priests who bore the ark of the covenant came near the water and their feet touched the water. And it gives us a very important description of the river. It says, As the Jordan River had overflowed its banks, for it was a time of harvest. Now I'm told that when the Jordan River overflows its bank during this time of year, at some points the river would be as wide as a mile long. So the idea of a man crossing this river on his own, swimming it, going for it, would be quite a feat upon itself. Normally they would look for, for, for breaks in the river where there's fords and stones where they can leap across and, and they can kind of make their way across. But, but to cross it where they were, it just wasn't a smart thing. Not to mention it had overflowed its banks. So all the, all the briars and the bushes that, that lined the banks of this river were completely underwater. And to try to, 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 to trudge through this would be impossible, let alone with a host of people behind you. And you wonder the people as they watch this ark walking towards this, this river that was overflowed, thinking, what are we doing? And I want to draw your attention to, to one little phrase. It says in verse 11, it says, Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord. Now, we're familiar with the ark of the covenant, Right? The Ark of the Covenant was this golden box with, with, with a golden lid made out of pure gold on which resided inside the holiest of all in which the Word of God tells us was the throne of God. It was the most holy of places. It was the most holy of furnitures. It was a place that no man laid eyes upon except the high priest once a year and he only did it when he came in with blood to atone for the people. And so this thing was very unique to the children of Israel. 
But I want you to notice the words there in verse 11. It says, before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. And then it has a description. It says, of what? Of all the earth. It didn't say the ark of the covenant of the Lord, your God. He certainly was. It says, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth. That's a marvelous thing when we consider it. If we truly believe that the Ark of the Covenant was the throne of the Lord of all the earth, we can begin to understand and put this, this image or this scene in perspective. He wasn't just the Lord God of Israel. He was the Lord God of all the earth. And it's wonderful imagery to think about. The God, the creator of all things, the God who breathed the stars, the God who, who, who breathed life into Adam, the God who created all these things would reside, would call that little golden box His throne. And as this throne walked westward towards that river, Actually, first of all, let's, let's consider this. The Lord God was leaving the throne rooms of heaven to meet His people. He did not have to go westward and have to cross the Jordan River, did He not? He had no need to do that. He could have came on the east side. But His people weren't on the east side, was it? But we see the Lord God of heaven, of all the earth, come to where His people were. Meet His people where they were. And He led His people through the Jordan River. And He went down into the waters. And as the story tells, as the, as the souls of the, of the priests touched the waters, the waters of the Jordan River stood in a great heap and bowed down to their Creator. And the priests stood in the middle of a riverbed on dry ground. What a marvelous thing that is. And the children of Israel began then to, 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 to traverse the river themselves. It's interesting how the Word of God is so specific. It says dry ground, dry ground, dry ground. The Lord dried the ground for them to traverse the hundreds of thousands of people to cross the Jordan River. Now, brothers and sisters, I have to pause and I have to draw a parallel, a simile here between this story and what our Lord did for us. You know, I, I, I highlighted the fact that the Lord God of heavens, the Lord of all the earth, did not have to come by the way of the west going across the river. But He did. He did because the children of Israel were on the west side of the river. And I tell you, when the Lord God of heaven sent His Son. He sent them to this plain, to this earth, where His people were. He sent them to this side of, of, of earth, to this side of time, to walk upon this earth, not for, for His own well-being, not for His own pleasure, but He did it for His people. And, and, and I... 
I'm reminded there, as Peter told the Lord, 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 I, I, he took out his he took out his, his sword from his sheath. And he says, Lord, I, I would die for you before you die. I, I, I would go to death before you ever saw death. He told Peter, Peter, put your sword away. Put it away. For where I go, you cannot follow. You see, the Lord Jesus Christ went down into the waters of death. He went down into the waters of death and He conquered death, we read in Hebrews, don't we? He conquered death that you and I may have a hope, isn't it? Death is no longer, uh, or should no longer be a a thing of fear for the believer. Yes, it's a sad thing. I'm not going to take away from the, 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 the reality of death. But brothers and sisters, if you, if you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, death has lost its sting. Death has no victory over a believer. Yes, this body may, may go into the ground. This body may, 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 may be, go return to dust. Oh, but the, that's not the end of it. For the Lord takes us to where He is. Absent from the body to be present with the Lord. There's a lot of parallels we can draw from this story between our Lord. You know, there's a lot, it's it's mostly speculation, but uh, some scholars would believe that when Jesus Christ, at the beginning of his ministry, when he went down to the Jordan River, did he? And there he met John the Baptist and, he, and, and he, he, he wanted John the Baptist to baptize him. And John the Baptist says, I, there's no need to baptize you. You need to baptize me. The Lord says, let these things be. I, it, it was a, it's a marvelous scene there, isn't it? There, John the, Bap, John, John, John the Baptizer, John the Baptist, is sitting there preaching to the crowd, preaching to the children of Israel to Repent. To turn from their sins, to, 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 to agree with God with their problem, and to, to be baptized. And here is the Son of the living God, the, the Holy One who knew no sin, going down into the waters as a sinner. As a sinner. An outsider who would look at that situation and look at all those people being baptized, and you say, wow, look, there's a lot of deplorable people down there who need baptism. And there is Jesus among them. Being baptized. And there the God the Father, as He sees His Son, opens up the heavens and declares to the whole world, Behold my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. He wasn't there for His sins. He was there for my sins. He's there for me. I think of the words of of the Apostle Paul. I live by faith in who? In the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Every believer can say that. Every believer can can hold to the fact that Jesus Christ came and died and bore the sins and the penalty of my sins on the cross for me. Because He loved me so.
what a precious Savior we have, don't we? Next, we come to the memorial stones. Here we read that Joshua commanded that 12 men be chosen out, one of every tribe. And they were told to go into the, into the, into the river, into the, the bed of the river where the, where the priests were standing with the ark. And they, they were to, to, each of them to select a stone to put it on their shoulder and to carry this stone out of the riverbed and to carry it with them all the way to where they lodged that, that night. And we learned that they lodged at Gilgal. And there they placed these 12 stones and they stacked them on top of each other. And it was to be a memorial. Saints, it's a marvel how quick and short our memory is. The Lord knew that. The Lord knew that. Before they even came to the waters of the river... Joshua gave command to select 12 of them because the Lord com- commanded of Joshua from beforehand that they, there needed to be 12 stones. There needed to be some type of memorial for them to remember what the Lord God did for them. Brothers and sisters, I, I, will, I will draw your mind to the very thing we did this morning. For the Lord God, when Jesus Christ was here on earth, before He ever went down to Gethsemane, He got together with His disciples and He instituted what for us? The Lord's Supper, did He? He took two simple emblems, a piece of bread and some wine. And He said, whenever you break and eat of this and drink of this, you do this in remembrance of Me. The simplicity of it. Oh, but the importance of it. Saints, I tell you, we live in a society, in a Christian society, where, where what the Lord has done for us can almost become secondary or take a back seat. And it's more important of, of what the church has to offer the person who sits in the pew. How can we entertain you? How can, how can we serve you? Brothers and sisters, I tell you that the church and the purpose for the church and the whole purpose of the church is to glorify the Son of God. When you, when, if I recall your mind there to Re- Revelation chapter 1, when, when John sees that great scene of those seven lampstands, and, and, and who is amidst the seven lampstands? One there but the Son of God. Tending to the seven lampstands. Those seven lampstands being a picture of the church. And those churches illuminating. Illuminating who? Not themselves, but the Son of God. The purpose of the church is to glorify and to illuminate the living God. You know, sometimes, we, yes, there's benefit to being in a local assembly, in a local church. There's benefit. Yes, there's, 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 there's spiritual feeding being done. I understand all this. There's fellowship. There's discipleship. I understand all that. But the purpose of the church is to glorify the living God. That is the first and most important purpose of the church. So we see the memorial stones. Very important. You know, I'll share this story with you. When we had Aiden, or my firstborn, he, he, was a very, he was very young at the time. He was probably maybe one and a half years old. And um, my, my in-laws my, uh, gave him a, a little game 
It was a little fishing game, right? It was a little wheel that spun around with a bunch of little holes. There was little fish that jumped up and down and bit, right? I, I don't know if you guys are familiar with this toy. It's a very common toy. And so the, the kid would sit there with a little plastic fishing pole and, and, and would try to time the time when, whenever the fish opens his mouth to put the fishing pole in and then it would close and you, and you, and you fish, right? And my wife would tell me that one day he was watching Aiden playing with this thing. And he would take a little fish out of it and he put it to his mouth and put it back down. He would take it, put it back down. And she wondered, what, what was he doing? And then it dawned on her. He had seen the cup that we pass every Sunday. This round thing with a bunch of little circles in it. And, and for some reason, the adults would grab a little circle, put it to their mouth, and put it back down. It's a funny story. But the reality of the importance of the memorial feast, at, at one and a half year old, my son noticed it. Now, he, he was incapable of understanding what it was, incapable of understanding what it stood for, but there was purpose in it, right? And here, Joshua, it gives an explanation what it was for, right? He tells the children of Israel, listen, when, you're in the, when the next generation comes and, and you're walking down and, and you see this huge pile of stones, your son says, Father, Dad, what are these stones for? Why is there a, a pile of 12 stones here? You can draw, you can say to him, Son, that's to remind you and me that the Lord God stopped the waters of the Jordan that we can pass through and possess the land. You know, there was also another set of stones, wasn't there? For we read that Joshua then takes 12 stones and, and he piles them up there in the middle of the river where, where, the, where the Ark of the Covenant stood. In the middle of the river. I find that interesting. You know, the, 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 the stones that were on the, on, the, on the east side, I'm sorry, on the west side of the, the west bank of the Jordan, those can be clearly seen. And any, any bystander, anybody walking through would see a pile of stones and would say, why is that there? But you know, for you to see the 12 stones there at the bottom of the river would take something a little more special. You'd have to actually go out there and look and walk up and down and look and see. There in the middle, in the churning, you'd see a pile of stones and the water rushing around it. And I imagine the fathers who, who, who would walk their children and would, would tell them the story of the crossing of the Red Sea to their children and would, would show them the 12 stones, would then let, let, let's go over to the river. And they would look down and they would see in the swirling water the, the, this, this, this small blockade of stones. And the children would say, were you down there, Daddy? Were you down there in that deep part? And he could say, yes, I was. The Lord sought me through there. He brought me out of there safely. I, I draw your mind to baptism. Isn't that a beautiful picture of baptism? We go down into the water with our Lord. But thank be to God, we don't stay down there, do we? But the Lord sees us through it and brings us out. And just as we go down with Christ, we come up with Christ. It's a beautiful picture of baptism. We're redeemed souls. 
by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The importance of a memorial. Saints, I, I, I pray that the wonder of the, of the simplicity and, and the, the joy that the Lord's Supper is would never cease from our hearts. That, 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 you know, I, I've been to other meetings and I hate to be critical, but sometimes the communion tends to be a, a, a thing that we just, it's a, it's a formality that we have to get through. It's something that you go up there and, and, and a pastor or a preacher goes over and says one or two things and, and in five minutes we're through and we're out of it. And I'm not saying you can't worship the Lord in five or ten minutes. You can't. But let us dwell richly on our Lord Jesus Christ. Let it be important to us. Let it be significant to us. I'm running out of time. Lastly, I wanted to point out to you why this was so significant, the historical significance of this event. And Joshua retells this story to them. And I want to concentrate on the... I, we didn't read these verses. In the latter portion of chapter 4, it says, Then you shall let your children know, saying, Israel crossed over the Jordan on dry land. Now, now pay attention to this. It says, For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you, until he had crossed over, as the Lord God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us as we crossed over. Now, I want you to notice something very important here. The significance of these events. And Joshua pointing them out. He's saying, listen, these memorial stones are important because you will tell your children... The Lord God saw me through the raging river. He made him completely stop and stand in a heap so I can miraculously walk across through. And the Lord provided a great provision and miracle for me that day. And it's a testimony. And Joshua said, just as the Lord did this for you, I don't want you to forget. The Lord did for me at the Red Sea. And he brings it back to what happened in Egypt. You see, you've got to remember that this was a new generation. A lot of, these, a, a lot of, the, a lot of people who were walking with them were, were, were close to their 60s, but they, they may have been very young when they came out of Egypt. They may have not remembered what, what happened. But Joshua and Caleb, oh, they were, a lot, they, they were well aware of what was going on. Joshua was a young man when they crossed the Jordan River. Uh, the, I'm sorry, crossed the, 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 the Red Sea. And he was well aware. And, I, and I'll say this to close. The importance of not just delving on the little bit that we know in the New Testament and forgetting the history of it. You know, sometimes we can, we can be New Testament believers and think that's all we need to know and learn and understand. And I tell you, there is a great value. There is great importance in knowing the history and understanding the history. And I'll tell you from my own personal experience, understanding these Old Testament truths, understanding these Old Testament stories is what connects the dots for me in the New Testament. It's vital and important to know the whole history. It, it, it's, it's a... It's a lifelong venture to know our Lord, to know the living God. 
Let us not neglect some because we think it old-fashioned, because we think it doesn't apply. For Paul himself, in Romans chapter 1, would declare to us, was not the gospel, was not Jesus Christ told to us by the prophets there in the Old Testament? It's all here. The importance of, of knowing the history. You know, we tell the children these Sunday school stories, and sometimes we don't think they apply to us. Brothers and sisters, they apply to us now more than ever. And we need to know them. We need to understand them. We need to learn them. We cannot forget them. Joshua made it a point to explain to the children of Israel, listen, the Lord did this for you today. Don't forget that He did it for us in the Red Sea. And tell your children, teach your children, the history of the salvation of the Lord for humanity. Let us pray. Our Heavenly God and Father, we thank You and praise You for Your Word. We thank You, Lord, that when we open it, Lord, we we, we, we see a God that we see a God that cares. We see a God that loves. We see a God that is all wise and all knowing, and yet He stoops down to ignorant fools like us, and is patient with us, and is kind to us, and and holds our hands and leads us along. Father, I thank you and praise you for your grace and mercy and love. I pray that your word would would change our hearts and change our minds. Let it take effect in our hearts and our lives, Lord. Let it not just be something we, we hear and we study and we know with our heads, but let it be something we understand and know in our hearts. That the fear of the Lord would be real and vivid in our hearts. Just like Joshua said there, at the end of end of all, that, the, that, that you and the world would know, Lord, the fear of the Almighty God. That we don't tell, we, we, we don't study this book, that we don't read this book, and we don't tell these stories because they're, they're nice stories or, or, or they're fairy tales, Lord, but they're the reality, they're truth. They're stories that depict and tell, tell us of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. They're stories that depict your character and your glory and honor. Father, I ask all these things in your son's precious name, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen.